Hi guys. Hi. Welcome to Kawaii Cast. Welcome. I'm Candace. I'm Tyler. I'm a little hyper because we've we've been trying to start this episode for like an hour now. <laughs> Has and it just, been an hour? Oh I my god. I feel like it's been an hour. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's yeah. been about an hour. <laughs> We just keep getting off subject. We were trying to find anime news to talk about for our beginning segment, and uh, so it wasn't working speaking out. Speaking of anime news, I got nothing. Uh, all, all I've come across in my quick little search is like, oh, this show that's coming out next season. Yeah, is, there's a lot there, of those had their right trailer, now. So, and, and that's about it. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of what's happening right now. Uh... I do have a little bit of backlog news that everybody probably already knew about because this happened last week when we decided to take a hiatus. And that was uh, Mob from Mob Psycho 100 becoming the number one trending topic on Twitter. <laughs> that was the best. And it's like, we were like, okay, we're just not going to record this week. It'll be fine. Nothing's going to happen. And then that day, that happened. Yep. And I'm like, God damn it. God damn it. You couldn't wait a week for this shit to happen. Mr. President's son, you couldn't hold on to that tweet for a week? Right? (sighs) No, because they can't remember anything for a week. (laughs) We are not a political podcast. Just a friendly reminder. (laughs) But yeah, so uh, Eric Trump tweeted out that Google was plotting some leftist Antifa... (laughs) conspiracy by hiding images of mob when you type in mob and only showing anime pictures and of course because it's google (laughs) with their uh what's it called their algorithm algorithm yeah yeah with their algorithm it showed mob from mob psycho yeah whereas the other search engines are like raving mobs which if you actually check the other search engines, yeah, the, a lot of the early pictures are, like, mobs from, like, protests and stuff like that. But if you scroll down a little bit on any of them, you will still get Mob Psycho 100 images. Yeah. So, uh, there was also, I guess, like, a YouTuber who did an entire series about, like, a video game and just kept putting the word mob as, like, a keyword. And I don't know what the fuck video game he was playing, but those show up as well. Like, all the thumbnails for those videos show up on Bing. So it's it's not just Google, but it was just one of those things that was just absolutely hilarious that the president's son was trying to start this Antifa conspiracy using Mob Psycho 100. And it's, it's so dumb. It was the dumbest thing that has ever happened. And that's saying a lot because a lot has happened. Okay, but in his defense, now we know who the leader of Antifa is. <laughs> This little, what is he, 15-year-old psychic boy? He's just trying to work out and make friends. Okay? Yeah. That was a thing. So yeah, that that was the best day of memes ever. That was the only two memes I saw for like a week were that and the Ikambokum. Ikambokum. (laughs) Ikambokum. I cannot fucking stop saying (laughs) Ikambokum. Oh, yeah. VTubers have destroyed me, you guys. It's fun. (laughs) It's just fun to say, okay? It is fun to say. I just like how many different ways she says it. Eka (laughs) So dumb. I love it. I love it so much. Uh, My other piece of news is a bit smaller, and this one was more relevant to this week. 
according to analytics, ReZero is the most watched anime in the world right now. All right. To which I, I can, say, I can see it. That's because ReZero is the only thing not letting us down this season. So, <laughs> to be fair. Yeah. 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 I, I like a lot of the other shows airing this season, but everything just kind of feels like it's not living up to the hype that it's supposed to live up to. And it's just, I don't know, like, we do need to finish No Guns Life. I'm actually really liking this season of No Guns Life so far. I am, I am too, but I haven't been watching it without you. Yeah, and I was passing out last time we watched it. <laughs> the only thing I don't like about the new season of No Guns Life is that they add clips after the credits, and I just really don't like the ending song where she's, like, twerking. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. I'm like, this is like the character that's supposed to be like the most tomboy girl of the series, and they just have her like twerking. I mean, you know, between that and cuties, I think we're all done with twerking for now, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so it's, I don't know, it just felt so, it feels so out of character. And it's like, it's well animated, to be fair, but I'm like, a well animated twerking is still twerking. Uh, I gotta know, though. Mm-hmm. He has a gun for a head. Uh-huh. Does he have a gun for his other head? <laughs> you have already had too much beer. I haven't even <laughs> finished my one. <laughs> I I feel like it is a legitimate question. I don't think it is. I don't think there's anything in the series that implies that it would be. That's one person's opinion. <laughs> I don't think there's ever any point of the series where they're like, you want to know what else is a gun? You know, my head's not the only thing that's a gun. <laughs> yeah, there's there's literally nothing in the series that would suggest that he's had modifications anywhere else. Well, I don't know that. I mean, it does imply that there's a possibility that it's not there anymore, but... <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm just saying, if I was going to go full cyborg, I'd turn my penis into a gun, okay? <laughs> y- you gotta surprise your enemies. Because you weren't already not getting laid enough. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let's just make the chances zero. <laughs> As opposed to slightly above zero. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the podcast isn't healthy, I'm not going to lie. No, it's not. <laughs> Tyler just walks into a beer and finds some girls like, hey, babe, I run an anime yeah, podcast. You know, <laughs> I run an anime podcast. Last I checked, we have 17 viewers. <laughs> <sighs> we talk about anime and we overanalyze <laughs> shit. It's pretty hot. <laughs> Everybody thinks me and my co-star are dating. <laughs> On that note... On that note, let's go ahead and start the episode. We're already, like, almost ten minutes into this. Yeah, that happens. Uh, (laughs) This is what it was like trying to start the damn episode. (laughs) That's what makes it fun. (laughs) We're just... We have such giggle fits tonight. I don't know what is going on. Uh, So what are we talking about today? So... I saw a, like, promotion for, like, figures or whatever pretty recently that was just, like... Clamp is celebrating its 30th anniversary. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then I Googled it, and they're not. They were founded in 1987. 
It was more than 30 years ago. But they're celebrating their 30th anniversary. Whoa. So let's talk about Clamp. <laughs> I had this whole plan. Like, it's Clamp's 30th anniversary. That's really cool. And it's not. It's not their 30th anniversary. Their, their math is weird, okay? Uh, just like I saw this other thing where it's like, oh, act actor whatever is celebrating you know it's her 22nd birthday and she was born in 2000 <laughs> and it's like that math is wrong yeah like i don't know it's super weird because i thought i'm like okay maybe their manga started in 87 but they their first anime was in 1990 but i couldn't find any actual confirmation of that yeah what was their first anime I don't even know. I couldn't figure out what their first anime was. Like, their first manga was something that I've never heard of. And then I guess in 1990, Chobits started. At least the manga for Chobits. Mm -hmm. But that's the only connection I could find to the year 1990, was that Chobits started. All their stuff before that was pretty obscure. So maybe that's... Clamp just started when Chobits started. Who knows? Uh, maybe. I don't so, know. Yeah, it was just super random that, like, this website was, like, doing a clamp promotion for 30 years of clamp, and I'm like, that's really cool, because Candace just randomly bought the entire first season of Subasa on an impulse, and I definitely should do an episode about it on the podcast in order to justify my retail therapy, but... Tax write-off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I mean, technically, you could. I don't know how. <laughs> Fair. I don't want to make my taxes more complicated <laughs> than they already are. <laughs> Good point. If we ever get to that point, we'll make Stefan do it for us. Wait, We've make, agreed on make Stefan do our taxes for us? No, but at least that portion of it. Like, Stefan, how do I do my taxes like an adult? Here we are, like, in our 30s <laughs> and still don't know how to do taxes. I know how to do a 1040 easy without using websites, but I use the websites anyway. <laughs> it's just easier. It is easier. It's, it's called a 1040 easy, but it's easier if I have someone else do it for me. It really is. It is so much easier when the website says, fill in this number, idiot. All right? <laughs> like, I don't know how write-offs work. All I know is that if you make it big enough to where you have write-offs like that, you give the receipts to your boss and your boss delivers everything in the form of a document that you then write into your taxes. Okay? That's all I know. <laughs> That's all I know. Okay? Oh, okay, and now we know. And now we know. That's more than I knew. <laughs> At least that's my under... It's basically like a receipt for all the stupid shit you bought that said I needed this as a tax write-off. Perfect. Yeah, that's that's how it works, I'm pretty sure. This is not a political podcast, I swear to God. <laughs> now you've had too much to drink. <laughs> so yeah, anyway, we're moving on to Clamp. And to prepare for this episode, we both binge-watched the entire first season of Subasa, so yes. I could justify that purchase. And then I found out you I didn't even need to lend you the damn Blu-rays, because you already had the whole series on DVD. If I had known, I wouldn't have had to watch it all in one day. <laughs> <laughs> I did not finish the last four episodes, but that's okay, because I got far enough into the first season that we could still talk about it. And I will finish the next, last four episodes, because I want to buy the second blu-ray set anyway yeah so. i will 
probably continue to watch it into the second season and the movie. Yeah. So. Uh, so I just want to say, mm-hmm. uh, starting off, this this show was, um, like it's a good show. Yes. By all means, yes. Subasa is really good. That being said, there are some issues. Oh, there's a lot of issues with with the DVD set I have. Mm-hmm. The sound mixing is terrible. Like yeah. background music is way up, and and you can't hardly hear people talk. Uh, That's the problem we had with Fruits Basket too. <laughs> right. When we tried to watch the DVDs for Fruits Basket, we could not hear the characters. <laughs> and then uh, on Funimation on their app, they don't even have the series anymore. Which is super which weird. Which is really weird. But they have like they have like the OVAs and they have the movie mm-hmm. and they have some of the extras like oh here's an interview with the voice actors and yeah. so they've got some of those on the website but they don't have the actual series which is super weird. Which I do have to ask, did you watch the dub or the sub? I watched the dub. I watched the sub because I saw one of the voice actors listed for the dub and I won't say who because this is not a political podcast. But I was like, I don't want to watch a show with him voice acting right now. Like, I just can't. I already have to deal with that enough when I play Persona 3. I don't want to deal with it when I'm watching anime. That's, that's fair. Yeah. Like, I, I turned it on. I, I didn't even really think. I was just like, okay, play. And it started playing in the dub. And I was like, oh, that's him. Yeah. Okay. Well. Which the Japanese voice actor who plays that character, I also discovered, plays uh, Oikawa in Haikyuu, and then surprisingly plays Odenta in Token Rambu, and I'm like, I had no fucking idea that was the same person. Because <laughs> you know who Odenta is, right? Uh, off the top of my head, no, but I'm, I'm sure I'd be able he's to... He's the silver-haired guy from uh, Katsugeki from the first unit who gets more powerful oh. during lightning storms. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's the same voice actor as Oikawa. What? <laughs> right? <laughs> crazy right (laughs) but yeah so yeah i I did watch the dub and i will say uh they did for the most part choose the same voice actors as they did for card capture sakura and you can definitely tell but i just don't like sakura's voice in this as much i know it's the same voice but i don't like it (laughs) yeah uh so i i feel like uh tsubasa is to clamp as what Space Patrol Luluko is to trigger, trigger. Yeah. where it's, it's hey, how many of our different series can we fit into this one series? Yeah, it's like they make a ton of references to it. Uh, Subasa was the original uh, cinematic universe. Yeah, fair. Like, I remember a while back there was a, a video done by an anti-tuber who was saying, like, oh, here's things that I would love to see implemented into anime somehow. And one of them was that they said they wanted to see something like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but done with anime series, where, like, a studio would take a bunch of their different shows and combine them into one story where all the characters overlap. And I'm like, Subasa was honestly the closest thing we ever got to that. Because not only did it make all these references, like, you see characters like Chi from Chobit show up, uh, you have a ton of characters from Cardcaptor Sakura. Like, there's an entire, like, universe just dedicated to the Cloud franchise. And just various other little nods. Like, I know that a few of the characters from X show up. The uh, uh, Mokunas are both from Mag- or Magic Knight Ray Earth. 
But at the same time, simultaneously, the series is taking place overlapping with Triple X Holic, which I also recently discovered is not actually called Triple X Holic. It's just called Holic. It's just called Holic. But it has three X's in front of it. Yeah. For the, whatever reason. Apparently I, that was supposed to be decorative. It was just supposed to be part of like the logo, like just kind of like a little flourish. They weren't even supposed to be X's. <laughs> All right. But everybody saw it and was just like, oh, XXXHolic. I, I just figured they just called it Holic because they didn't want anyone to think it was porn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, apparently the X's were just supposed to be like a like fencing type flourish for the background or whatever. And okay. Everybody just assumed it was XXXHolic. So. But yeah, so XXXHolic was happening simultaneously to Subasa. Meaning that not only did we have this series that was making a ton of references to previous clouds or uh, clamp series, but we also had a series that was overlapping with it in a multiverse. So, yeah, these two series were the original cinematic universe that came out in 2006, two years before Marvel did it. Mm -hmm. And I remember reading the manga way back when it first came out and thinking this was the coolest shit. Ever. I'm like, could you imagine? I I do remember reading the, the manga. I read... And now I remember watching the anime, and mm. I'm sitting here thinking, I don't remember this in the manga. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I never finished either of the anime. I did read most of the mangas for both of them, though. I had started with Triple X Holic, because it was the one that everybody in my anime club was recommending. And then the end of the first books, like, is where Subasa starts, where uh, Shaoran and Sakura show up and are like, and he's like, please save Princess Sakura. And I was like, are those the characters from Card Captors? You're going, wait a second here. I'm like, the names are even the same. What the fuck? Is this a crossover to Card Captors? And everybody's like, no, it's Subasa. And I'm like, what the fuck is Subasa? <laughs> well, now I need to go find this. Yeah, and then I went to Barnes and Noble and bought fucking Subasa. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. Like that's literally how it went down. This was Clamp basically doing their final Hell Mary to try to get people to buy as much manga as possible by making us read both of them. Yeah. Uh was this coming out right about the same time when Clamp was doing their, their chess set thing? Yeah. Because I remember my sister was collecting those chess sets a lot. Yeah, I think the chess pieces started to come out in 2008, if I recall. Because they did have characters from both Tsubasa and Holic in it. Yeah. So, yeah, like, because I have... A lot of them. I have more than half of them, but I don't have I'm all of pretty them. sure my fin my sister finished the entire set. So. Yeah, she did mention that to me before that she has the whole thing. Which, if you have the entire chess set, they're currently running for about a hundred and thirty dollars for Are the full collection. Really? Yeah. You, you spent more just getting them. Yeah, no, they are more expensive to buy them independently than to buy the whole thing. But as someone who only has about half, it's really disappointing. <laughs> yeah. Um, to be fair, they, they did also come with, like, art books and whatnot, so... Yeah, and the 130 is just for the chess pieces. You don't yeah. get the books with them. So, it is a really, really cool collection. <laughs> they are insanely detailed, and I know that these came out after Triple X Holic, because the, uh, Black Makona was exclusive to Triple X Holic. 
Because in Magic Knight Ray Earth, uh, Mokona was white. Yes. So. Also, one of my first introductions to Tsubasa and Triple X Holic was one of the very first anime conventions I went to. I met a woman there who was like, we were just kind of trying to find a quiet place to like get away from like all the noise for a little bit because sometimes at cons you just get exhausted. And we ran into this woman who was like feeding her little baby and we're like, oh my god, your baby's so cute. And so we all became friends online and uh, about a year later she had a second baby and she dressed up both of her kids as white and black Makuna. How adorable. It was so damn cute. I think that year uh, she had her baby dressed up as a chocobo. Yeah. So. Which was really, really cute. I love when people make their babies cosplay. I mean, that's that's the main purpose of having a baby is so you can dress them up exactly. however you want. I always said, I'm like, if I ever have a kid, I want to dress them up as Koenma and walk around <laughs> as Botan. A butamus. Right? <laughs> so yeah, Subasa was ultimately a love letter to Clamp as a whole because... While it does focus on their best-selling franchise, which was Cardcaptor Sakura, it really puts more of the focus on Shaoran. While Sakura is still the main character of the series, the whole thing is the driving force to return her memories and help her remember who she is so she can return to the Kingdom of Clow and become their princess once again, is really more developed around Shaoran discovering what kind of person he is and his feelings for Sakura. And it is insanely cliche that the whole thing starts with Sakura being like, next time I see you, I'm going to tell you a secret. And then, Never say that. Yep, never say that. Because then she loses all of her memories. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> and just, just like fucking... Uh... Dr. Stone. Oh, I'm going to tell you my feelings. Turn to stone. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Which, to be fair, she can tell him her feelings now, but he's all like, no, don't tell me just because it's the end of the world. I want to know your real feelings. And I was like, bitch, she was going to tell you. <laughs> bitch, she hasn't been in stone more than three minutes. Like, right? <laughs> of course she still has the same feelings for you. Right? Oh my god, she's not doing this because it's the apocalypse. She's doing it because she's literally been, like, stoned for hundreds of years. <laughs> stoned for hundreds of years. Thousands of years. Yes. I forget how many years it was because they did the whole math in seconds. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like 3,000 years. Yeah. <laughs> but the plot twist of Subasa is ultimately that the price for collecting the memory fragments is that she's basically cursed that Lee has to give up any connection that he has to her and she w is incapable of remembering who he is. Yeah. So, so that is the thing. Like they, they're all sent to the dimensional witch and she's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I can help you all, but you have to pay a price. Mm -hmm. So Kurogane, you know, gives up his sword, like his, his prize sword. He's like, Oh, this sword is my life. Mm -hmm. 
Very samurai. Very samurai, you know? And and so he has to give up that. Uh, Phi has to give up his tattoo, Mm -hmm. which uh, they explain, like, it helps him control his magic or something. I can't remember. Yeah, he could still use magic just fine without it, but there's something special about that symbol that he's basically made a vow that he can only channel his magic through that symbol. Yeah. So I know that it explains it at some point, but both of us are still currently sitting in season one. So <laughs> yes, and like so, I said, I have read the manga, but it was well over ten years ago, and I don't really remember. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Fai gives up his tattoo, and then for Shaoran, he has to give up, like you said, his connection with Sakura. Yeah. Every time she gets a memory he is excluded from it. Yeah, and if she ever tries to figure it out or if somebody tells her, then she blacks out and basically goes back to before that conversation happened. Yeah. So she kind of loses that short-term memory of somebody telling her the truth. Yeah. So it kind of becomes this thing of like, oh, how much am I simping for this girl? I think it's probably one of the most beautiful love stories ever written, to be honest, because it, it's... It is good, and of course I have to make the joke. Yeah, it's one of those situations where it's like, what is more important to you when it comes to a relationship? The person's well-being or the idea of them being with you? Yeah. And for Shaoran, it's her well-being. He puts her worth above the union that they had, but the heartbreaking thing is that this entire journey they're going on is making him realize how important that union was where prior to it it was like she's a princess first and my friend second now he's slowly starting to piece together as he's remembering these things as well how significant that friendship was to him and how it helped him grow as a person and how he's gonna be lost without her and it's what makes it painful because at this point he can't go back on it. And I will say this is the disadvantage of the anime in my opinion is that this was an anime that released when most studios were making the shift to digital animation. And it's almost upsetting because I genuinely think this anime would have done so well in a hand-drawn art style. There's so many frames of this series that are just beautiful beyond belief. Like, my personal favorite is in the first arc where they have... I forget what they're called. They're basically, like, animal stands they use to fight with. And Oh, the, the Kudan. Yeah, the Kudan. And we see Lee realizing the price that he paid for Sakura's memories. And we have Fai and uh, Kuragane both using theirs to protect him from the rain. And it's such a beautiful damn image that is ruined by this crappy digital art style (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah uh it it is a beautiful image um all of their kudan are actually the the protectors or whatever from magic knight ray earth yes yes which which like we said there's a lot of connections it's it's really cool it's really fun to kind of dig around for all of the different references most of them, I will admit, I do not know. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, you you were telling me about how, like, sometimes it's a little weird because people will take three to five seconds to respond. Mm-hmm. And 
Yeah, it, it does happen. It's kind of weird. It's it's a little <laughs> off-putting. I'll admit, like, there's there's a time and a place where it's like, okay, you should pause here, but not so much in this series. It's like all the fucking time. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple other things that I've seen, uh, like, every so often, you know, these, these characters will be standing, and I swear to God, their arms and legs are super long. It's like... <laughs> Gonzo from Muppet Treasure <laughs> Island. Oogity boogity boogity boogity. So that you know? doesn't bother me as much because that is the clamp art style. Yeah, so. it, it is. But like, since I haven't watched anything clamp in so long, I mm-hmm. saw that. It was like, okay, that's weird. Yeah, shifting back to like the 90s and early 2000s aesthetics is definitely a bit jarring. Yeah. But again, because this was the early 2000s, early digital era anime, there was just so many things that they did back then that just feels so dated now. And one of the things, like you just mentioned, was how characters take a long time to respond. You could tell that these series were trying so hard to pad their episodes because they're like, we need to make 25 episodes out of this. Yeah. uh, Along with that, even in the first episode, I thought it was super weird like mm-hmm. there's a scene where Sharon just grabs Sakura and starts running and she's just like flailing behind yeah. him and like <laughs> the screen goes down to her foot for like two seconds yeah it's like, like like look at my foot I was so expecting like her shoe or something to fall off and that would be significant but no that's just how anime was paced back then like everything is so slow they really try to get their money's worth out of every single shot and it's just like, I, I can't stand it. And a lot of this is because back then, they had to wait for the manga. If a manga had been out for a year and there was no anime adaptation, studios were just like, you better get on that. You better start making anime adaptations. Start, start working on this. I, I know this manga isn't complete, but oh my god, you better start working. Exactly. So a lot of times anime really had to make sure that each chapter was basically a full episode. And it's just, it's slow because of that. And each episode doesn't really feel like it has a proper arc. Where nowadays, especially with more animes being adapted from light novels, they could be like, okay, let's take the time to storyboard out this episode, have everything come to a gradual arc. Each episode kind of has its own, like, miniature story that builds into the greater arc, and everything about it just feels so well-paced and well-edited, and nothing feels a little bit laggy, and it just, everything flows super nicely, and it doesn't feel lazy at all. (laughs) Yeah. Anime in the early 2000s couldn't do that. (laughs) Times have definitely changed. It's much easier for a light novel writer to release multiple books in a year than a mangaka who has to not only handle the writing, but also the intricate artwork. (laughs) So. Yeah. Yeah. And you could also take more context for like a few chapters of a light novel than you can. A chapter of a manga. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think... I don't know the full scale from light novel to anime adaptation, but for mangas, they... Especially back then, they try to do one chapter per episode. Um, so, from what I've seen, it's it seems to be about uh, two books per season. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I just started reading that time where I got reincarnated as a slime. Mm-hmm. 
and the first book covers up until Rimuru eats Shizue, which is okay. about six episodes. Okay, so the it's not as pat as not padded at all, basically. It just Yeah. Alright. So and that... and same with Konosuba. The first the, the two seasons of Konosuba cover the first four books, so yeah. it's it's like two books per season. So yeah, it's definitely fun going back and watching old anime though, just to kind of see how much the industry has changed in terms of writing and pacing and everything and now, like, look at, you know, how far along the mangas for, like, Dr. Stone and Demon Slayer were before they started getting anime adaptations. They were both well over 100 chapters in, and you could, like, read uh, Demon Slayer and be like, okay, there's about four chapters in the first episode. Like, yeah. Uh, I mean, part of that is also because there's so much media coming out now. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it, it could very well take three four years before a series really takes off and then you know uh production companies want to be like oh well let's make an anime out of this yeah and if you want to see truly the epitome of this type of anime to manga adaptation where things just kind of get all messed up because of either pacing or how the anime was adapted due to manga restraints I don't think you could look for a better studio than Clamp when it comes to this, to be <laughs> honest. Uh, in particular, probably the most famous anime to receive the title of the manga was better is probably Chobits. Uh, yeah, it's so sad because I read Chobits. I absolutely love Chobits. I know you love Chobits. And then... Anime was so disappointing. She was like your original waifu. <laughs> she was like my waifu before we had the term waifu. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's it's so crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never read Chobits, and I've only seen like the first five episodes of the anime. But if I ever told an anime fan back then that I liked Chobits the immediate response would be anime or manga. Yeah, pretty much. Every single Chobits fan out there knew. They knew the anime (laughs) was garbage. And if you ever said that you only watched the anime, you would immediately have a book thrown at you and be like, read the manga. (laughs) Just just fucking read it. I will buy my (laughs) own copy later. Take it. That is literally what it was like being a Chobits fan. So it got to the point where I learned not to ever say that I watched Chobits. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like I said, it, it's disappointing. It's it, The anime is still cute. It is cute. It, but it doesn't compare. I think the opening theme of Chobits, uh, the Let Me Be With You, was the like original cutesy anime OP. Yeah. Like... I I still see this OP memed every now and again. Like it's you, so damn catchy. You, you don't even get that out of a lot of uh, KyoAni stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of... And they're known for their Moe bullshit, okay? Yeah. <laughs> like, even their openings aren't that cutesy kind of, you know, whatever. I will also say, Chobits got away with a lot of shit, like... <laughs> If you ever, like, just looked at the premise of Chobits now, especially the first episode of Chobits, and it was made into a modern-day anime, everybody would be like, this is borderline hentai. But back then, it was just like, oh, this is cute. 
This is adorable. Oh my god. Her power button's in her vagina. Yeah. <laughs> you literally have to finger the robot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is in the first episode. Oh my. The second. Thank, thank God for censorship. Right? The second episode, mind you, is that he has to find her clothes, and fortunately, his apartment, like, lady is like, oh, she could have my hand-me-down, like, school uniforms and stuff like that. But he realizes that that's great for dresses and things, but he needs to go buy her panties. Because he can't ask this girl for her used panties. Yeah. And, <laughs> well, it's Japan, and it's like, oh, boy, buying panties. That's awkward. He's a degenerate. He's a degenerate, Clearly. obviously. You know? So so that's, that's just the culture at the time, I yeah, guess. Yeah, which led to one of the cutest panty-buying scenes ever, where he realizes he can send her in to go buy panties, because it won't look weird if she's buying her own underwear. But then she comes out with a pair of boxers and she explains that she told the sales clerk she needed panties because he wanted them. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't panties, it was underpants. Because she spent the whole episode walking around going, underpants, underpants, underpants. Yeah, underpants. mind you, she doesn't know more than seven words at this point. Yeah. So. <laughs> Chobit's got away with so much. Even, like, his part-time job that he has with, like, the one girl, where he makes a comment about her boobs being soft, and she's like, well, it'd be weird if they were cold and hard. Again, if you tried to sell this anime today, it would be borderline hentai. Yeah, it would. <laughs> Studios would not censor this shit. <laughs> No, what they'd do is they'd censor everything, but they'd put that stupid sticker over everything. <laughs> I hate the sticker for censorship. Well, you'd have the censored version, and then you'd have the unedited version on Blu-ray. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Scandalous. <laughs> or you pay a subscription to their website and watch it there. That's right. Yeah. Which is what they're doing is uh, with the Titan's Bride this season. Oh, are they pay, now? You have to pay for a subscription to their website to watch it. That uh, kind of sucks. Which makes sense, because it is a pretty hardcore boy love. It's so. pretty raunchy. Yeah, so I had heard that Funimation had gotten it, but I don't have Funimation myself, and I haven't taken the time to search on yours. So I it, have not seen it on Funimation. Yeah, there might be a censored version on there somewhere, but it's one of those things that like I didn't care enough about it to dig. Yeah, so. that's fair. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so... So back back to Tsubasa. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of just figured Clamp in general. Oh, Clamp in general, there's, yes. There's a lot of good that Clamp has been doing, and this was the year that we did it, Cardcaptor Sakura in its full version on Netflix. Yeah. Um, is Clamp really producing much nowadays no or? they are not a lot of times what they do is that they uh assist with other animes or they'll like they'll have their animators working on specific scenes of certain things but they're not producing their own stuff anymore okay 
What made Clamp such a unique studio at the time was it was the very first manga studio where every single one of their writers was a woman. Yeah. And because of this, they were the studio that basically established the shoujo genre as a whole. Which was incredible, because at the time, shoujo was seen as this thing of, like, how to be a good girl, or what things you can grow up to be if you're a girl, and here's some dreams for you if you're a girl. You you can be princess, or shrine maiden. Or a magical girl. Or magical girl. Yeah, and it, it was more about this idea of appealing to girls in almost a commercial style of how can we sell toys to children than it was about the stories. And while there were shoujo series that were exceptions to this, it was kind of the equivalent of how the idol industry is nowadays. It was more about marketing something. And Clamp really sought to change that. Sure. I, I mean, you know, back back in the 90s, it was very much about marketing everything. I mean, yeah. Transformers... G.I. Joe, you know, everything was, every cartoon was made to market toys to kids. Yeah, early, early Magical Girl series and Shoujo series were especially about this, where it was like, here's a Magical Girl, now here's all of the things that she needs to use to be a Magical Girl that you can buy at the toy store. Buy her magic wand, and her compact, and her dress, and her... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And while there were definitely some mangaka out there that were trying to steer away from this, ultimately their series did eventually become about marketing. Things like Cardcaptor Sakura and Sailor Moon being probably the two most famous. And it is a shame that Card... Was Sailor Moon Clamp? No, but I'm talking okay. specifically okay. shoujo. You confused me there. I'm going, wait a second here. No, uh, <laughs> Sailor Moon was probably one of the biggest ones that wasn't Clamp that actually did try to differentiate itself from the typical shoujo brand. But what made Clamp such a unique shoujo franchise was that not all of their stories were based around this marketing. You did have Card Captor Sakura, but there wasn't a ton of marketing around things like Magic Knight Ray Earth which was also, incidentally, one of the earliest isekai anime out there. Yeah, back fan- when fantastic series, too. Back when isekai were targeted towards girls. What are you talking about? I, I, don't, I don't think there's any isekai out there where the main protagonist is a woman. <laughs> don't exist. Inuyasha. Doesn't exist. <laughs> Never happened. Twelve Kingdoms. Never happened. Escaflone. Nope. <laughs> Magic Knight Ray. Didn't happen. Doesn't exist. I know there's F- more. F- Fushigi, Fushigi Yugi. Thank you. That was the other one. Uh, the, the protagonist of that was obviously a man. <laughs> Clearly. But yeah. Uh, I think probably one of the most unique series to come out of uh, Clamp that was does fit into the shoujo category. And again, like, Chobits does, too. Like, nowadays, Chobits would see as, be seen as this raunchy fan service anime, but at the time, it was directed towards girls. It's it's kind of weird, though, because, like, yeah, it does have some of those scenes where it's, yeah, it's definitely fan servicey or would be considered fan servicey by today's standards, mm-hmm. but a lot of it was actually really cutesy. Yeah. It was definitely one of the most adorable series of its time, and... 
We also had other series that didn't feel like their target audience was necessarily girls, and that was things like X. I think X is probably my favorite example of how to do shoujo right. Was because that really marketed towards girls? It was Clamp. Huh. So... <laughs> Interesting. It does not feel like something that should be targeted towards girls. It feels like something that would have a more general audience. And that, in my opinion, is how shoujo should have been handled. Where you can be a guy watching it and not feel like it's something to be ashamed of. Or that you're going out of a specific demographic. Because the story and artwork is just so damn good. And it's just pulling you in. And if you guys have not checked out X... it definitely hasn't aged super well but it's still absolutely worth your time i don't think a lot of these series from the 90s have aged well <laughs> this was one of the last ones before we moved to the digital era though so i do yeah. think that while it's aged pretty poorly there's something still extremely charming about it yeah and that's one of the best things about the hand-drawn series is you could look at it and be like wow we've definitely progressed since then but there's just still something just enjoyable about it. It's like, wow, somebody drew this. Like, like these were hand-painted cells that they had to stop and take photographs of. And I believe that X in particular was converted to digital. It was one of those where it's like, yes, everything was painted, but then they brought it into a digital format. So it is a little less authentic than some of the earlier hand-drawn series, but it's... It's still hand-drawn. It's, yeah. It's still gorgeous. It still has some of the best music in anime, and it has one of the best stories in anime. Just ignore the whole fact that they thought that the world was going to end in 1999, but... I mean, I'm still convinced that the world <laughs> did end in 1999. I'm convinced that 1999 hasn't happened yet. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm I'm convinced the year 2020 is the year 1999, and they're just lying to us. And on December 31st, just we're all gonna cease to exist. X set my standards for what men should be like. Let's be honest. I uh, I thought that was Yu Yu Hakusho. Yu Yu Hakusho did as well, but I <laughs> uh, come on, look at the men in X and tell me that that hasn't had some influence on my life. <laughs> I have no strong feelings one way or the other. Clamp men were just different, okay? They're just... They got me, okay? Boy, those women over at Clamp sure knew how I, what I wanted as a kid. Women at Clamp knew what women wanted. <laughs> like, I didn't watch X 1999 until 2008. So by that point, I'm like, wow, I can't believe they thought the world was going to end 10 years ago. But I, I think if you ignore the dates in it, it's still just something that's absolutely incredible to watch. It's kind of like going back and watching uh, Neon Genesis or me watching it for the first time. I swear to God, I'll give you your DVDs back. <laughs> I'm waiting, bitch. Another one where the problem is that it's on DVD. Yeah. Oh, we thought DVD would last forever. And yeah. now we're just like, DVD, I, I want good audio. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, I was going to say something. <laughs> 
Now it's escaped me. Magic Night Re- Ray Earth is a really good one to rewatch too. I believe that one was also hand drawn. It should have been. That was one of their earlier series, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Magic Night Ray Earth really, really should have set the standard for Magical Girl series, and I do think that it is the standard for Isekai, where the whole premise of Isekai really should have been this idea of I'm trapped in another world. I need to learn how this world works so I can find a way home. Yeah. As opposed to what Isekai has currently become of, I'm in another world, fuck home. I'm in another world, let's get a harem. Yep. <laughs> Who wants to go home when I could just live the ultimate escapist reality? <laughs> okay. In Konosuba's defense, he made bank in the other world. <laughs> I don't think I would want to return either. Like, if I go to another world and all of a sudden I'm super rich, I'd be like, yeah, pff, I, I, I don't need to go To back. be fair, he did want to go home. Aqua stopped him. <laughs> He was like, I could go home and live in Japan and be a normal teenager again, or I could go back to those three. Uh, yeah, a home, obvious choice there. And then Aqua's like, fuck <laughs> oh, you, but, you're coming but, back. Uh, oh, by the way, Eris, uh, <laughs> if you could just keep, put me in a rich family with a cute little sister, that'd be great. Oh, he is not a good person. He is not a good person. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Magic Knight Ray Earth absolutely set the tone for what being in another world should have been. This idea of slowly understanding the world building and understanding the importance of having a goal. And I loved the idea that the three characters all gradually learn to come together through the things that they have in common, but also the things that make them different. And... Subasa was ultimately a love letter to that, with it being another isekai. Yeah. It's, um... How could you say it? It's like multiple isekai. Cause yeah. Because they're, they're not just going to another world, they're... They're jumping worlds? Jumping worlds. That is, another, that is another reason I recommend watching the original Japanese, is every now and again you hear them go, isekai? isekai and i'm like i know that word <laughs> candace is over here like i understood that reference i understood that word i speak japanese now. <laughs> guys don't learn I, japanese from anime i i speak japanese yamate <laughs> yamato <laughs> yeah no guys do not learn japanese no. from anime <laughs> <laughs> don't <laughs> But, yeah, so, I know, I know. But, yeah, Tsubasa, again, ultimately is what Clamp was. It was its final series before it started becoming more of a side studio, something that just helped edit manga or provided extra animation footage and stuff like that for other studios. I mean, they did do... um the clear card saga for card captor sakura yeah not too long ago i mean they didn't handle really the animation for that though oh so the clear card arc was written way back when card captors was still really popular so and it just took forever for it to get an anime adaptation so much that they had to explain why smartphones are a thing 
Yeah. Yeah. And I believe officially their last manga series to wrap up before they became more of an assistant type studio was Holic. Yeah. As it ended sounds, after Subasa right. did. And Holic is also just a really, really fantastic series. It's kind of like... Imagine if, like, nerds and otakus and weebs were kind of magical and could make a living off of this hobby and kind of just help people with their collections. And that's what the Dimensional Witch was. She was a woman who basically sorted through the entire Clamp multiverse, collecting things that were valuable from each universe, and using those things to help people with their problems. And you see a ton of references in there. Yeah. The Makonas being one particular example is she treats them as items and not animals. And they're obviously a direct reference to Magic Knight Ray Earth. But there's even a very clear shot in the first book of the manga where... Her assistant is actually holding the Clow Wand from the original Cardcaptor Sakura. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, she's basically using her ability to jump through dimensions to steal as many relevant items as possible. I'll take that. She has a collection of nerdy shit, and it makes her the most powerful being. And a lot of it also does come from the fact that people come to her for help, and she says, I will help you, but you need to give me something in return. Which is how she got a sword and a symbol. Yep. And apparently memories of Shower. What do you fucking do with memories of Showeron? <laughs> I mean... I don't know. <laughs> he, just, he had nothing valuable. He had nothing. He was like, uh, I have the clothes on my back. And she's just like, uh, I'll take your... I can, I can give you these goggles. <laughs> I'll take your feelings, thank you. <laughs> I will to, jar... To which, to which she threw them in a blender and she hit frappe. She's like, I will jar those feelings and I will use them when I want to cry. <laughs> Give me those feels. Uh, she really is a weeb. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is that what you do? You just, you have a jar of feelings at you home. Have you have a jar of you feels. You open it up when you need to cry. Yeah, it's called crunchy roll. <laughs> oh. Guess that's why I don't cry. <laughs> Lost my jar. Lost your jar of feels. <laughs> Go watch One Piece. You'll find him. Is that how it works? Yeah, because I know that anime made you cry. Uh, only one scene. I thought it was two scenes that made you cry. I know one was the Going Merry. Okay, yeah. And then the other one was Ace. Okay. Yeah. Twice. Twice Tyler Twice. had a feel. <laughs> With, almost within <laughs> the same arc. <laughs> No, that was a very... Those are two distant arcs. Like, it feels like they should have been closer, because if One Piece had been made nowadays, it they definitely would be closer. Were they different arcs? I they guess were they, different I guess arcs. they were, because one happened, like... They were right next to each other, but they were different arcs, yeah. because the Ace arc was so fucking long. I knew, I knew they were different arcs, but I guess there is the prison arc between them. Yeah, huh? the Impel Down. Yeah. Which Impel Down is... Fuck long. Oh my god, it's fucking long. Oh man. I think it's one of the longest arcs in the entire so, series. Sometimes I forget how long One Piece is, okay? Yeah. <laughs> You're the only person on the planet who forgets how long One Piece is. But, yeah. Is there any other really major significant uh, clamp series that just comes to mind, though? Like, 
Just right off the top of your head. Like, I know that Holic and Subasa really are just the best series to introduce people into that are just curious about Clamp and kind of want to know what they're about because you, while they do have a ton of references to their earlier works, they really do stand out independently as their own things that you don't need to know any of the source material for. And they're just genuinely enjoyable series. I do recommend the manga over the anime if you are a modern anime watcher and watching anything older than that is going to be hard on you. Yeah. But because with manga, you do have the advantage of setting your own pace. And again, a lot of just that really fantastic artwork from both series is just lost in its digital version. Mm-hmm. I will appreciate, though, that the Blu-rays that I bought are digitally remastered which means that they just look really nice and have good audio. Yes. And they are really cheap. <laughs> so. Yes. Um, so if I were to introduce someone to Clamp, it would definitely be through Magic Knight Ray Earth and Card Captors. Yeah. And Card Captors like, is a really easy one right now because it is currently on Netflix and it's also on Crunchyroll. So if you are one of those people who are currently boycotting Netflix... You could still watch the whole thing on Crunchyroll, and honestly, the dub is just way more enjoyable, or the sub is more enjoyable than the dub anyway, because I know that Netflix redubbed it, but I haven't heard that dub. I have. Mm-hmm. It's not great. Watch the sub. Yeah. <laughs> just just trust me on this. Watch the sub. The It's, yeah. Yeah. I love the original card captors. It's so good. I did too. I mm. remember fucking waking up on Saturday mornings because <laughs> it was like, oh yeah, gotta watch my cartoons, gotta watch my my card captors. Those were gotta the... watch my One Piece, gotta watch my Escaflone, <laughs> and then I realized that those weren't cartoons. <laughs> yeah, the versions that we watched on Kids WB were very heavily censored. I will add. Yeah. And by heavily censored, I mean that they took out a lot of things. One in particular being that Sakura's mom was 16 when she married her dad, who was her teacher. Yep. Awkward. And was in his 30s. Awkward. (laughs) And that Sakura is in elementary school. And one of her friends, who is 11 years old, is in love with her teacher, who is again in his 20s or 30s. And while he doesn't do anything back, he does promise her that when she is of age, they will get married. Yep. Which is grooming. Uh, Sakura has a crush on her brother's best friend. Which, who is dating her brother. Yeah, who is dating her brother. <laughs> it is... It's mostly, I, feel, I feel like that comes up in Subasa too, because like... Oh, they're definitely doing like, it in Subasa. Like, oh my god. Like, like, he's the king, and he's, you know, like, her, her, the friend is like the advisor, mm-hmm. or whatever. And he's the, the priest. He's, he's the priest, and he's like, your majesty. And he, you know, to which is like, dude, you've known me how long? Fucking like, call me by my goddamn name. He's like, it's Toya for you. <laughs> like... Oh, my shipper heart. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's... <laughs> I also love that they do reference in Subasa that the two of them are also just everywhere. Because that was one of the running gags in Card Captors was that the two of them always had part-time jobs, but it was never the same job in two episodes. Like, 
one episode they'd be both waiters at like this local cafe and then the next episode they both work at the aquarium which, and then the next episode they both work at like a roller rink and it's which, like which is great because like the first world they go to they find the brother and his friend like uh, making what's it called otonoyaki yeah, or something otonoyaki. <laughs> you know, the pancakes <laughs> and Sharon's just like oh your majesty. And then, like, <laughs> at the end of the that arc, everyone in the pancake place is like, your majesty, over here, two more. <laughs> yeah, in the original uh, sub, it's my king. <laughs> Which, it's, it's hilarious that that caught on. I love and it. And it's mostly his boyfriend. It's implied that his boyfriend was the one who spread that by just constantly referring to him as my king. <laughs> Which is a callback to the fact that in the Cloud Kingdom, he refers to him as my king, even though he wants to be called Toya. Yep. It's so. fantastic. I love it. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, that is one problem I have with, like, the whole story pace is that no matter how many times they run into, like, duplicates and multiverse version they can't seem they to... can't seem to process that that's just a thing uh, especially Kurogane, who's like yeah. every time he sees the one girl he's like that bitch she sent me to another world <laughs> yeah he's like i gotta track her down there she is and there's like that's not her dude he's like what are you talking about and they have to explain it to him every fucking time <laughs> right <laughs> like i love to, you Kurogane, to, but... to, to, to be fair he has two brain cells and they're both dedicated to swordsmanship <laughs> I do have to ask, uh, since you watch the dub, uh, does uh, Fi still give him all the, like, random honorifics in the dub? No, um, it, it comes up. There's one point where where they're, they're like, oh, maybe we'll call you, uh, or he's like, oh, maybe we should call you Kurgi. Yeah. Or, you know, and then it's like, oh, or maybe Kuropu. Yeah, they know? do call him Kuropu. You know, and, and so it, it, it mentions that once. And then throughout the rest of the time, they just, like, Feist continues calling him Kurgi. Yeah, Which is, dumb. is dumb. Like, use, use the, the random honorifics. Yeah, the the random honorifics is the running gag, because at first he's just like, oh, I'll call you uh, Kuro-kun, or Kuro-chan! And he's like, do not call me Kuro-chan. And then it's like, it, the honorifics become less and less, like, traditional Japanese, and eventually it turns into Kuro-pu. Yeah. And then Kuro-ki. <laughs> It's just like, at that point, they're not actual honorifics anymore. They're just random sounds that he keeps making. Yeah, it's it's just him trying to get under Kurogane's skin. Yeah, I love their relationship. Oh my god. <laughs> it is pretty great. So yeah, I, that's is another reason to choose the sub over the dub in that situation, is that Fi is a piece of shit, and I love him. But Kurogane is... I mean, to be fair, I think really the the... Uh, Sharon is about the only one that isn't a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> Kurogane's not trying to be a piece of shit. That's just how he is. That's just how he is. They're just like, what's wrong with your face? He's like, that's my face. I also just love that uh, Mokuna will just repeat everything Fai says. Mm-hmm. Especially the Kuropu. So yeah, it's... It's not aged well, in my opinion, but I still think it holds up, and I'm still enjoying it, and I think probably one of my favorite 
uh, gags in the current arc I'm in is the fact that uh, Fi didn't know how to write in the language of the world that they're in oh, when he yeah. was coming up you're, with their aliases. <laughs> you're you're in the video game arc. Yeah. No, the Sakura tree arc. So it's uh, when they're in the basically it's uh, feudal Japan, but it's like their whole like world is based around the fact that they get tourism through how beautiful their Sakura trees are. And everybody there becomes, like, a demon hunter to, like, pay bills and shit. Yeah, that's yeah. the video game arc. That's the video game arc? Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, you, you find out later that, hey, we're in a video game. The oh, world, okay. The world we traveled to, it's an amusement park, and the feather is inside this, this VR video game. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it explains in the manga better that, yeah. like, hey, um, we have this thing that the first time you get into this video game... We kind of erase your memories, mm-hmm. so it feels like you're in this world. <laughs> that would explain why they're allowed to use aliases, though. Yeah, which is so. Hilarious. So that's the thing. Like it, it is a video game, and they did erase the memories. And and I remember in the manga, it there's a lot of stuff in that arc that I don't remember. Yeah, you know, it's been so damn long since I've read the manga. Yeah, honestly, but yeah, I. I love Subasa. Like, I genuinely still love Subasa. I think it's probably one of the best concepts to ever come out of a studio, just trying to celebrate everything that they've accomplished. And at the time, it was like 20 years. And you just don't see that kind of stuff anymore. And I would love to see other studios really try to do something like that. I don't think Tsubasa quite did what the Marvel Cinematic Universe did when it came to bringing characters together, but damn, did they do something that was unheard of for its time, and it was such a good way to say goodbye to a lot of their original mangakas, and... Yeah. Um, was was Kurogane from a different series, or was he specifically for... I believe him and Fi were both original characters for that series. Because I could have sworn Fi was from something else. I think Or at least his character's design was very similar to something else. He was definitely inspired... I think both of them were inspired by X characters, but they were original characters for the series. Okay. So, they might have been direct references to the characters from X. It's been a long time since I've watched X, but I I did look into a lot of Clamp characters because I had that same question. I'm just like, are these two inspired by anybody specific? And X was the closest thing I could find to them. Okay. So, yeah. I, I think the big thing with Fi is a lot of people want to believe that he came from something else because he has such, like, unique symbols and he has the staff and more in particular his connection to Chi... Although, I think she's... I think she goes by the other name. I forget. Freya. Freya, thank you. Yeah. Which I think Fi is also a reference to Freya. Yeah. So, yeah. But I think that both of them are original characters. Uh, We also don't hear Shaoran refer to as Lee as well. But it also does suggest that his adopted father is Clow. Yeah. So, yeah, because in Card Captors, he was a direct blood descendant of Clow, who then reincarnated himself as a child anyway. And he's like, fuck my distant relatives. <laughs> I'm just going to be reincarnated. <laughs> then I don't need descendants. 
Remember, people can't inherit your shit if you just reincarnate yourself. That's right. <laughs> He's like, if I reincarnate myself and then choose my heir, then it's a loophole so Lee doesn't get any of the cloud cards. <laughs> That'll learn that bitch. <laughs> The more you know. <laughs> uh, yes, my heir will be this person who isn't born yet, but it'll go to them. Well, no, seriously, that is one of the uh, plots of card captures, is that since Sakura is the one that breaks the seal, but Lee is supposed to be the one who inherits the cloud cards, yeah. it causes a conflict on who the actual heir of the cloud cards are, whether it should go to the blood descendant or the one who's collected the most cards just using her own magic. And so to resolve the issue, Clow literally reincarnates himself as a child and tests both of them. And then he decides that it should be Sakura who inherits it, but only if she can transform all the cards into Sakura cards. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That works. So, yeah, the Lee can't inherit the Cloud cards anymore because the Cloud cards are now Sakura cards. <laughs> what a way to screw your grandchild out of his inheritance. Uh, he can still marry into it, though. It's fine. <laughs> can. And there are a lot of shippers that do that. Well, they are officially a couple by the clear card arc. That's true, I guess, huh? Yeah, they are canonically dating at that point. So. Okay. And it's cute. And he also had a crush on her boyfriend's boyfriend. Or her brother's boyfriend. Her <laughs> <laughs> that was something I forgot, is that Lee is bi in the yeah. original card captors. Because yeah. he was in love with her brother's boyfriend. Man, what is up with that, dude? Just... Getting all sorts of people in love with him. He's the reincarnation of the angel who was the guardian of the cloud cards. So anybody with cloud magic is naturally attracted to him. Okay. I know. <laughs> That's the, the explanation. But but then what about uh, the, the, the stuffed animal? Why don't they, you get, like, people falling in love with him? Because he wasn't reincarnated. Oh, okay. <laughs> he was just a seal. <laughs> So, in other words, uh, you need to be reincarnated to be drowning in bitches. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's, that's, that explains every isekai ever. Yeah, we're never <laughs> actually given an explanation as to Toya's magic. Because we know that he does have, like, his own magic and he gives it up so that way his boyfriend can live. But it's just really freaking cute. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> I love Card Captors, you guys. Card like, Captors is really great. Card Captors set every anime fangirl on her path to boy love. <laughs> without telling us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was the original Guy Guy ship, and I love it. Yeah. Even though they tried to tell us that they were just really good friends. And that Sakura definitely didn't have a crush on him, and that Lee definitely didn't have a crush on him. I mean, at least they weren't cousins. <laughs> they were just buddies, just two guys hanging out, sitting in a hot tub, sitting five feet apart. That's right. <laughs> hanging out in their room, in his room with the door closed, not doing anything. We were just playing chess. Clearly. <laughs> 
just playing strip chest, I swear. <laughs> Every time you lose a, a piece, you take off a piece of clothing. <laughs> also, I want to give props to Sakura and Toya's dad for absolutely knowing about that relationship and being absolutely cool with it. Yeah. Be like, you know what? My son found somebody that he cares about when he was like six. And I did, and I married a 16-year-old. So, you know, let bygones be bygones. It's fine. We, we've all done some questionable shit. We don't kink shame in this house. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap up our clamp episode. That's clamp in a nutshell, guys. It's clamp in a nutshell. <laughs> go, go read some clamp manga. Yes. Uh, thanks for listening. Thank you. Uh, before we sign off, I do have the uh, guess the anime. Oh, I forgot about this. Okay. Yeah. So uh, hopefully we can still keep doing this segment because we're running out of anime that we've both watched. But <laughs> okay. So uh, this one is an anime about a teenage boy who has to confront his father's associates to find out who he is. Hmm. That's a good one. I don't know. It is Dororo. <laughs> there you go. That's one way. <laughs> trying to put himself back together all right <laughs> piece by piece <laughs> and with that we're gonna go ahead and sign off thanks right. for listening you guys bye guys bye